Hello everybody, it's me, producer Ross, and welcome to another edition of Game Day Extra Time, the show where fans have their say on their club. And well, what a week it has been for the football club. Uh, the game getting postponed an hour before kickoff because of a frozen pitch. A dire, yes, dire goalless draw against Northampton Town, who were 23rd in League One at the time. Um, blue action going to the training ground and chucking flares and Lambert out and all that jazz. Uh, what a week it's been for the club. And we are back for another podcast. It's going to be a big one. I can expect it to be a big one. Um, I'm going to be joined by a man making his debut and the game day regulars. So I want to go over, firstly, to the man making his debut and that is good old Darren. Let's get into then the Northampton draw. Um, yeah, it wasn't good, my friend, was it? And I uh, hope you're doing well and welcome to the show. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm honoured, honoured to be on the show tonight. So thanks very much. What do they say? First time call, a long time listener. Is that is that the phrase? So, um, yeah, the game was awful. Um, well, the bright thing was that Northampton were pretty good. You know, if they had a striker, they wouldn't be where they are. So they outplayed us um, all of the game, really, apart from the last, whatever it was, was it 15 minutes when Norwood and Judge and all that came on? Um, but... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing, isn't it? Every every single week, you know, we're saying the same stuff. Um, just, yeah, not not much going on. It was awful. I said to me, me and my son always watch the games and we both, at the final whistle, just sort of looked at each other and would just agree without saying anything. We're like, that was the wor- probably one of the worst performances we've ever seen from Ipswich. And I've been supporting them a long, long time. So, um, yeah, not not good. Not good. Um yeah, I don't know really what else to say because it's it's the same thing that we say every week, isn't it? Not good at all. And um, I want to go over to good old David because this is probably the longest week that I actually hadn't spoken to him. I didn't speak to him on Saturday, didn't speak to him on Tuesday night. So this is the first time I'm going to hear from him um, about the Northampton draw um, and just a week. Hope you're doing good, my friend. Again, I'm sorry, listeners people part of the podcast but yes um your thoughts on the goalless draw against Northampton um marginally less annoyed with it than I was with Shrewsbury being called off um yeah I mean it was a shit game um I think it was I think people have got it was being one of the worst games ever and I, I mean there have been some dire ones um the Wigan one springs to mind I saw Exeter play Carlisle once and that that is one one of the worst games I've ever seen, but I think it's Niche. because because it. <laughs> I was on holiday in Devon. It, it you, know, you had to had to do it. Um, yeah. I think the part of the reason is you were if if that had been against Hull, you'd have gone okay. Hull were off form. We weren't on form. Point gain. It was a bit crap. Um, because it's Northampton, and I mean we all predicted our um, sort of what we're going to do in February. And pretty much everybody said one win. Occasionally, somebody was really wildly optimistic and said a win and a two draws. But basically, Northampton was the, was the win in February and the rest of it was just write it off now. And to see being outplayed by Northampton, that I think is the thing which sort of makes it one of the worst games. Yeah, I, I think that we played almost worse in the Hull game earlier in the season, but we weren't expecting to do anything against Hull. 
So I think that it's it's partly context. And it wasn't like the Wigan game where Wigan, new manager at the time, hadn't they? They came in and they just set up behind the ball. It was so frustrating because they just had everybody basically lined up across the goal mouth and said, you're not going to score. Job done for them. Um, this one, we were actually, we should have lost. And this is... What concerns me again is timing. Again, we've seen this. We saw it against Crew. We've seen it um, right early on against um, Bristol and against Wigan. Decision and Plymouth. Plymouth was another good one. It's decision making. The number of sides who've got into really good positions against us this season, and the final ball, that final decision that lower League One players make, lets us off the hook time and time again. Four, three or four, I mean, they, they had a couple of shots which were easy for Holy to save. But they could have done so much more if they'd have had a striker or just somebody who had that insight to pass the ball at the right moment. They just overplayed it and things. And that, that concerns me is the fact that they made loads of inroads but just didn't have that last little bit of quality. We made no inroads whatsoever until such time as... Judge came on, who made a real difference. And I mean, I, you know how much I love Judge. But he did make a difference. And I, I noticed, I mean, I loved the little bit where he was coming on. I don't know, I mean, you probably didn't see this, Ross, being pitch side. But he was coming on and he had a little chat and they showed him, you know, they, they get out the, um, the iPad and they're all technical. And pointing out where he's going to play. Wide left. And it, behind, I can't remember whether it was Lambert or, Ta- or, or, or Taylor, he, was, he, he went back behind him to take his top off and he just shook his head. And I thought, that says everything. You know, you've just been told what you're doing. You're getting onto the pitch at nil-nil and you just shake your head. It's like, fuck this for a game of tiddlywinks. And he didn't do it, did he? You know, I criticised him all last season for when he's playing wide, wide left, he goes absent and leaves the fullback exposed. <clears throat> he goes on the pitch, he plays centre, and he, he he said, right, Parrot, you fuck off over there. <laughs> so Judge, Judge is still doing his thing, but on this occasion, it paid off. And don't understand why Dizelle went off instead of Parrot, because Parrot was awful. Um, tackled all the way through the game, was poor. There's no impetus, there's no drive, there's no energy you know, catching people on the break, if you're going to do that, then you need to get forward quickly, not play it up to the halfway line, then go back to Wolfenden. It's the same tactical cock-up every time. You've got to break teams down, and we allow time and again Northampton, as everybody else, to get back behind the ball so there's no way through them. Um, there's no there's, there's no insight, insightful passing, except for when Norwood and Judge came on. If Norwood is fit enough to be on the bench, he's fit enough to play. If he's not fit enough to play, he shouldn't be on the bench. If he's only fit enough to play for 60, 70 minutes, then that's fine. He can build his fitness up, but he should be starting because he's the best finisher at the club. Equally, if you've got Jackson, who's perfectly fit because he was sent off, he wasn't injured, he should be at least in the squad. When we've scored most goals in the last two years, has been playing Jackson and Norwood up front together. If you're short of goals, which we are, we are shockingly short of goals, 
and you've got a ready-made solution because you already know it works, why don't you go and do it? If you've got a player who's consistently showing he's in form when played in his preferred role in judge, play him in his preferred role and keep playing him in his preferred role. Somebody once said, not so many months ago, if somebody plays well, they keep the shirt. That's what should happen. You played well, you, you stay in there. And that's the way you build up relationships. You build up rapport between players. It's, it's you know, a settled defence, a settled central midfield. You know where someone's running. You know where that pass is. You know that person's covering behind. The goalkeeper trusts that these this is what's going to happen. That's what you need. And you just change the beat that somebody drops out of form or somebody who's injured. Nothing else. It's not rocket science. This squad is good enough to go up. It's good enough to go up without the waste of space we've got in all of the um, loan signings, which shouldn't have come in. They've just bloated the squad. The whole thing is dysfunctional hellhole and it's caused by one person. And all of the nonsense he's coming out with at the moment to blame his employer, slag them off. I mean, I know somebody who got lost their job because they tweeted an abusive comment about their employer, which is sort of fair enough. Not quite so fair enough the person who dobbed them in, but that wasn't in national and local media doing that. You shouldn't be slagging your boss off, one. Yes, you can make arguments about Evans, but frankly, this is all on Lambert. That squad is good enough to go up. It's good enough to beat Northampton if you had somebody vaguely competent picking the team. Evans is a completely different kettle of fish. There are teams who are above us with smaller squads, smaller transfer budgets, who are better run and are doing things that we aren't doing. So ignore Evans. That's a smokescreen. It's a way of Lambert covering his ass. It was a shit game and Lambert is a shit manager. <laughs> okay, and that's the, um, the show done for the week. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. I'm sorry, John. We can just repeat it next week because it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. We'll probably go down 3 0 against the next one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, well, Segs, welcome back as always. Um, I spoke to you after the game inside Portman Roads. Um, yeah, you've had time to reflect on a lovely goalless draw against Northampton. Um, you've heard what the other guys have said. Um, what else do you want to add? No one's mentioned the referee incident so far, so I don't know if you're going to chuck that in. Oh, God, sorry, John. John's just on camera. He's gone, damn it, I was going to bring it up. Um, sorry, John. But um, Thomas, I said, sorry. Take it away. Uh, yeah, I was going to mention it, but I was going to leave that to last or one of the last points. Um, but yeah, it was a rubbish game. Um, boring, nil-nil. Worse than boring. One of the worst games I've seen. We've all said that. Um, we keep talking about how Northampton should have scored in the first half and all that and that and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's been forgotten about. They actually hit the post in the first half for half time. You know, they were so close to actually go scoring. And you know, it's if if it wasn't if they hadn't hit the post, but they gone back net, different game. We would we wouldn't have been back in net. He may have been forced to bring on Norwood earlier, maybe. Um, if he, you know, possibly change change the formation, like we still wouldn't have scored. I think. It would still have been a one-nil loss for us, and we'd be even more depressed and pissed off than what we are now. Anyway, um, but yeah, um, that, they arguably should have won by two or three. Um, if they were a little more clinical, we would have been, we would have lost that game easily. Um, that's the end of that story, really. Um, downs going off. I still didn't really see the first yellow card. So I was a bit confused when we saw the second yellow and then a red. Um, but I believe it's to do with the judge incident, isn't it? So um, it's just one. No. 
David's yeah. nodding his head. It, yeah. it was um, Judge was booked in the first one, and I and that was for dissent. It wasn't for the cheating. It was for dissent. The second time, Downs was booked for the foul, and it wasn't where he tackled the player. It was because he then followed up and had a nibble at somebody else off the ball. That was the booking because he got a yellow card out and then Downs went off at him. And his second yellow was immediate afterwards for verbal abuse, which is why he's got a two match bang. It was for fa- it was it was a sending off for a foul abuse of language. Oh, OK. I had seen that. So my bad. <laughs> that was in the Guardian today. Oh, OK. I hadn't seen that, but yeah, so now we know where Downs are sent off, but um, even so, that's a big loss for the next couple of games. We've got big games coming up, you know, Oxford on Saturday and obviously Hull next Tuesday. He's a big player for us to, to lose out on, um, so that's another thing. Again. Yeah, again. Again, but you know, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, everything is going against us, um, and what Evan said on TalkSport yesterday, just, <laughs> what Lambert said on TalkSport yesterday, I'm sorry, it was just a complete complete joke I mean I'm saying there's no infrastructure he's been here two and a half years for God's sake if he's got a problem with the infrastructure and how everything's been run at the club then he should be telling Evans and trying to get it sorted out not moaning about it two and a half years later to talk sport when he's when he's got, got fans calling for him you know protests against him if if he's got a problem with it he should be going to Evans directly not calling him out and like David said it's just it's just it's just blaming the owner of because he's got nothing else to blame. It's to do it said on the podcast as well. It's the last card he's got now, the last Trump, what he can pull out. Um, it's just a joke. And also the fact that he, apparent, oh, no, we're talking about that later, but I was going to say about the blue action, how apparently they're not a friend, not, he questions whether they're fans. It's just stupid. Um, obviously, that's what he said on TalkSport. It's just, I completely agree with what Simon Jordan said. Um, you know, it's, like I've said, it's two and a half years. If there's, if there's an infrastructure problem, he should be telling Evans way back when. And, He's only got himself to blame if it's, if it's not sorted by now because he's got problems. He should be going to Evans telling him. And then obviously we had the referee incident as well, which you mentioned beforehand. I was going to mention it. Um, for me, it's happened. Um, they said sorry. It's just let it die down now. Um, the only thing that annoys me about it really is is the, how much attention it's been getting. Um, you know, we're, we're living in a pandemic at the moment. He's obviously just lost his head. Judge probably said something we don't know. Judge, judge has said... Just leave it at the game. The ref has apologised. Um, that's that. It's just one of those things. Sometimes you just act out of out of character, and unfortunately for him, it's perhaps cost him the season, maybe even his career. But um, it's just what it's just has happened. Um, just people lose a temper. It's, it's a bit of a shame, but um, but yeah, the fact that what, what worries me more is the fact that it's diverting the attention away from Lambert, and it shouldn't be. He's got. He's you know, it's saved him his job. Again, not saved his job, but his, it's saved him the, the attention again. It's put the attention away from him. I mean, even talks what they had to talk to him about the ref as well, as well as everything else that was going on at the club. So it's just, he's just, it's just brought attention away from the performances and how crap we were and how much, you know, one shot on target, but not until the 75th minute. It's just a joke. Yes, John, over to you then. Uh, well, You've heard what they've had to say. The guys, uh, take it away. Your thoughts on that game. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on as always, Ross. It's it's good to be here and to speak to uh, some new people as well as some familiar faces. Um, I've got to say, no matter who comes on the pod, though, we've all seen the same Ipswich Town, aren't we? 
it's not like we're saying, oh, we're actually, some of us are saying, oh, it wasn't that bad, or oh, we were quite good. And we're all saying we were shocking. We were, we, you know, as a, I don't know an Ipswich fan on Twitter, on Facebook, who we speak to on here, who is saying we're playing well now. So that's the point that is needed to be made because as a football fan, there's always disagreements and opinions and that kind of thing about whether a player should be in the team or whatever. But we're all in agreement that Paul Lambert is not good enough to be a switch manager at the moment. His team that he puts out is failing. You know, and Tuesday night was... I was laughing afterwards with you, Ross. I was smiling anyway, not laughing. Because... I didn't know what to say. It was an awful game to watch. There was no enjoyment in it. You know, we, lots of people have mentioned um, bad games or the worst game. One of the worst games I ever remember was sitting away at Huddersfield and it was freezing cold and it was a nil-nil draw under Mick McCarthy. And it was just, you know, so boring. But there was a game plan. It was like two banks of four sitting there I looked at our, our performance on Tuesday night and where was the energy? Where was the effort for the first time? And I'm not saying the players have given up at all, but I didn't see anybody stand out. I couldn't say any of our players had a good game. And that's a real sad reflection. I can normally say to you, oh, Downs did well or didn't, um, you know, you, maybe at the beginning of the season, we're talking about um, the fullbacks the older guys, Ward and Chambers, doing quite well at the beginning of the season. Or Edwards, isn't he doing well? You know, but the reality is at the moment, nobody did well. Um, I was so disappointed for Kenlock and um, 16-year-old, uh, whose name has just escaped me. Matheson. Matheson. Yeah, that he, both of them missed the Saturday game and the previous game and, and were dropped because I thought... They brought something to the team and then they're being taken out and brought back in. And that kind of confidence that they had just looked like they've been sucked out of them. It was a rubbish game to watch. I'm, I don't really want to say much more than everybody else has said, really, because, you know, it's been covered and it wasn't a spectacle by any means. But, you know, one, a couple of points to make. Um, I thought we were outfought and outplayed. And if, the, if you'd put James Norwood in that team in the Northampton team, sorry, they would have won that game because he would have taken the, the two or three chances or one of the two or three chances. If they had a goal scorer, they would have beaten us at home. They were the better team. You know, if you were a Northampton fan, you would be going away thinking, oh, we nearly won at Ipswich. They might not realise just how low we've really sunk, but uh, they deserved more than us in that in that performance. Um and one of the comments that has really riled me, you know, he was quite honest after the game, wasn't he, for the first time for months. But then I think it was in his talk sport, he made some kind of comment about um, having to play all the kids again. Like, let's be fair, he picked that side. It's his squad. He brought in four guys on, sorry, five guys on loan in that month and played most of them, you know. They're his players, whether they're on loan or not. He's had all of those players, either he's brought them to the club or he's been the manager for the two and a half years. So either he doesn't want them at the club and therefore we should get rid of them 
or he needs to coach them and bring the best out of them. He can't be just slating the players. And like, I, I saw the incident David was talking about when Judge kind of sh- just shook his head. And that's his manager giving him pep talk. Go on, you can go on that and make the difference. This is what I want you to do. And he walks away going, for fuck's sake, kind of thing. You know, disbelief. Um, I just think that one of the, the, the saddest parts for me is you listen to somebody like Mick Mills, who um, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that he should be manager or anything, but he's an Ipswich legend and a proper legend when we use those words, you know. Um, captain the club, England international, etc., etc. And he's saying, and he's always really pleasant and sensible with his comments. He was saying, it's so, so sad. And they made references, him and Brenner, to maybe the cardboard cutouts might start booing, or should we join in with the boos, or should we start the boos? And then when Brenner joked about, um, according to the stats, we've had seven shots on target, Mick Mills like, nearly spat out his cup of tea and said, what, all season? And that's, you know, that's the state we're in when we're sitting looking at our team playing 23rd place Northampton bloody town. Yes, we've got to earn the right. And all this, all this Paul Lambert bullshit about living 40 years ago. Well, I wasn't a fan 40 years ago, but I've been a fan for 36 bloody years. And I've followed my team through thick and thin. And I can't remember a thinner patch than this. And that's because of him. I agree Marcus Evans isn't doing a good enough job as owner, but actually a good manager or a better manager or a manager who could manage the existing squad would get more out of them. And Paul Lambert is failing. I honestly do see that. And his interview was a change of tack from him. But I do think a lot of what of what he's doing in the, the national press, whether it was on Football Focus, when he's doing the kind of... Um, Woe is me, I've had COVID. And I, you know my feelings on that. I've had it and I don't wish that upon anybody. And I've always been respectful to him about his health. But don't start trying to get public sympathy on, in the national press. And then he's doing the same with his friends at um, TalkSport, Jim White. And Jim White must have been, he made the Ipswich Town, uh, pod, uh, not podcast, sorry, um, the Ipswich Town press people look like they interrogate him because Jim White was just kissing his backside and blowing smoke up his ass. You know, didn't challenge him or things things are going aren't going that badly on the pitch. Who's Jim White been watching? Has he watched the last 20 games on an eye follow? I bet you he bloody hasn't because nobody who's watched it would say we've been playing pretty good on the pitch or not too bad on the pitch. Did he watch the Northampton debacle? We were shite. I'm sorry, we really were. So I'm not having him saying about I'm not having Lambert treatments like Mugs saying that he's having to play the kids. He left bloody Jackson in the stand. He left Nolan in the stand by choice. And that's your job as a manager. You can make choices. You might not like somebody. You might don't like their reaction. But don't say I'm having to play the kids. I've chosen to play the kids because they're the, be- the better committed players or whatever. Or they're showing the heart. At least what they're lacking quality, they've got in heart or something like that. But don't use... Don't throw the young players under the bus again. He'll be saying in a little while, oh, we need a bit of help again. He needs a bit of help with a psychiatrist. He really does. He needs some help Um, because he's full of it at the moment. He really winds me up. Um, The only other point I would like to make is about the referee and Downs. I've I've got a little bit of sympathy for Downs because um, uh, he... 
I think he was harshly sent off. I don't know what was said. I don't know what the extra niggle was. And I, I also think the ref loved himself throughout the game. I know on the main pod earlier on in the week, you, you were doing your uh, moves, apparently, Ross, demonstrate a la Freddie Mercury and stuff. But um, he, he was rather full of himself and like larger than life. But I ultimately think the ref made a mistake and he is a professional. And a professional who makes a mistake gets held to account and probably will get a slap on the wrist, miss a few games. And he, he's apologised. And to be fair to Alan Judge, and I think we should make this point, because we've sometimes criticised him, he said, I didn't want it to be a big thing. It wasn't a big thing to me. I've moved on. <laughs> I've moved on. Um, and then um, my last point is just about Downs. Is a, I, I still think Downs is one of our best players, if not our best player, when he's playing at his best. And he's coming back towards that. But... There was reference in the main pod about it as well. And I totally agree that it's a sign of a bit of indiscipline, to be fair, because we've had too many sendings off this year. Yes, some of them have been dodgy, but we've got to start saying we can't be getting people sent off because we're missing downs for Oxford and Hull. Who do we need in midfield more than anybody else at the moment? It's, it's Flynn Downs. So I'm really disappointed, slightly in the referee, but more that Downs put himself in that situation because... He did a foul, he could have just walked away. Um, so, answer to your very short question, I said I wasn't going to say much. Northampton were the better team, we were shit. Paul Lambert is still not good enough to be our manager and he, he needs some help. Yes, well, well said, John. Well said, everybody on the Northampton goalless draw. Um, let's move on. It's been a it's been a big week in terms of a lot of stories going out. Um, you know, the referee incident, uh, incident. But before that, before the Northampton game, on Monday, um, I was surprised to go on my Twitter and witness a video shared by Blue Action of them at the Playford Road at the training ground, setting off flares, um, of course, shouting Lambert out. Um, I want to get everyone's opinion on this, see if they agree, if they disagree, if they're, you know, is it to a point where they understand why it's happened? Because we're not at the grounds, are we? We're not at the grounds. We can't, you know, share our frustrations, what we do on this podcast. Um, so, Darren, I saw you put your hand up when John was speaking. Did you want to add anything else what John was going on about? Sorry. Yeah, j- just really to add, you've got to admire the balls on Lambert for what he is saying. And he is done, it's, he's doing a fantastic job for marketing himself. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not misquote you there. Let's not misquote you there. Sorry, so, Ipswich is not national press. We're we're all in a bubble. You know, if you I speak to my friends who support other clubs and they've got they don't even know what league Ipswich are playing in anymore. So outside of Ipswich, no one knows what Lambert's doing, how we were playing, nothing. So obviously over the last week or two it started to build and he you've it's no coincidence that he's suddenly now jumping on there, talking to Jim White, talk sport. He was, I think he was on BBC sport radio or something this week as well. And he's taken this opportunity to, as as you said earlier, just to deflect all the blame onto Marcus Evans. It's not him. You know, I'm doing my best here. I'm being, you know, undermined by the structure in the club, by the, by the owner and all that sort of stuff. So that he's already plotting himself for his next move. Because he knows, he knows he's on his way. He's happened to him enough times, isn't it, over his 
career. I think he's um, Norwich is the only club he's been successful at. I think I don't know what he did before Norwich, but since then it's just been one you know hounded out by the fans at every single club he's been to. He's not a not a liked man, is he? So as far as the blue action stuff goes, um. I'm, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for peaceful protests and all that sort of stuff. And it's it's kind of ironic that actually the, the protest has only worked because they singed the barrier. You know, if because I, I don't know how many there was there, but not many. Let's say less than half a dozen. Um, and obviously they weren't very loud and there was a bit of blue smoke and stuff. If that has, if that has been all it was, we wouldn't have got they wouldn't have got national press. Darren Bent wouldn't have been talking about it on TalkSport. None of that would have happened. And it's kind of backfired on the club because they obviously called the fire brigade and the police and said that Daily Mirror, was it the Daily Mirror, reported it, that the fans had set fire to the training ground. So, and then that's that's what that's what took it national, you know. So I think, um, uh, yeah, I mean, fair play to them for trying to do something. Um I wouldn't have been behind it if they went there and had set fire to stuff, but that isn't really what they did. Something singed. And uh, yeah, I mean, we were all waiting for whether to see Lambert was going to blame that before, after the game, wasn't he? And he did reference it. You know, he talked about that it affected the young players. Um, it didn't affect him though, because he's played for big clubs. And uh, would it? did he quote something about, have you seen the size of the flares at, you know, some German club or something. So I reckon actually thinking about it, I reckon it's some sort of inside joke. I reckon him and Stuart Taylor, he must earn a fiver every time he does an interview and he mentions that he's played for a big club because he, there's no, why else would you keep doing that? Because you'd look like an idiot, don't you? You know, it's like, it's like one of us, sitting here saying, you know, yeah, I believe in this different formation and you should do that because when I was eight, you know, I played for my local village team, shout out to Stanway Villa. And, uh, you know, it's just nonsense. You know, you're the manager now. Just get on with it. Johnny boy. And uh, it's like myself, my friend. John, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to, just to throw in there to add to Darren. Like he was, hasn't he been saying this week that Ipswich fans should forget about the past? Hasn't he been saying that 40 years it, we should forget about it? Maybe he should forget about playing for big clubs because yeah. actually what he should remember is recent managerial history. Failed at Stoke, failed at Villa, failed at Wolves, failed at, you know, there you go. There's a few of failing at Ipswich. There's four. That's his recent history. So maybe he should stop living in the past, remembering, um, you know, playing in, was it Germany? I think it was. he's never mentioned it but you know what I mean he should forget some of his past because he lives in it more than we do I don't go around the street going about the only time I've referenced 40 years ago this year is when we're talking about the the, the nice reference on the shirt the rest of the time you know we're not even comparing us to the Wembley and the Burley era we just want a bit of effort and um, quality on the pitch don't we Okay then, Segs, over to you. Um, your thoughts on what happens on Monday? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Or are you in the middle, really? Um, are you on the fence? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not on the fence. Um, I agree with it, to be honest. Um, I think needs must in this situation. We can't have a voice in the standards at the moment, so anything to kind of show our, our um, 
hatred, not hatred, but our disdain, let's say, for Lambert is is good. Um, some people perhaps disagree with the flares. Um, for me, as long as it didn't hurt anyone, got no problem with it. It's good for the pictures. That's for for a start. You know, it's it's helped make it into the media and to fair to blue action. Um, it's done what they wanted. It's got a lot of coverage for what is happening at our club. Um, you've got BBC talking about it, you've got TalkSport talking about it, you've got Sky Sports News talking about it. It has actually got out there and you've got people, there was an article went up today from BBC, I believe, talking about what's going wrong at our club now. It is, it's actually, it's actually gotten out there now and other people can see actually what's going on. And I think for once, instead of, oh, Ipswich fans don't know what they're on about, whinging about Mick going and Mick should be staying and stuff like that, they actually understand what we're going through for once instead of, Feeling like oh you know like when Mick left so you know you handed him out you get you get what you deserve it's be careful what you wish for and all that kind of rubbish but now now you know now people are actually understanding what we're going through and how dire it is here um whether that's partly because you've got the Villa fans you've got the Blackburn fans you've got the Stoke fans who all know exactly what they went through under Lambert and kind of being sympathetic towards us um I mean it is our lowest position in so many years now so but yeah um. I think in terms of Blue Action doing what they did, I've got nothing against it. And completely agree with what Darren Bent said in terms of we're the most patient fans around or one of the one most patient fans around, you know. We're, we have we do suffer with a lot and it's time for us to finally speak up and get Lambert out. Um, I think there was enough people there. You didn't want hundreds of people there, especially with COVID. That makes it look bad. Four or five people was just about right. And... Like I say it's it's done the job that it needed to do. It's got us into the media and it's it's created a story and people can read about us and understand what's happening. And then just talking about what they were talking about, um, about Lambert and his past, completely agree. He's you know, he needs to forget about his past because some of it's dreadful. I had a little look whilst we we're whilst John and Darren were talking and at Livingston it was like fifteen percent win percentage rate, got sacked and then went to Wickham, I think it's just just over forty. But of course, he resigned when he couldn't get to the playoff final. <laughs> and then after that, it's just Norwich is his most successful place. And since then, it's just downhill, downhill. And he's part of the manager mer- managerial merry-go-round. And unfortunately, he's stuck at our place at the moment. And the sooner he goes, the better. But the reason he hasn't is because that stupid contract extension that we all knew was wrong at the time. And it should have waited to the end of the season if you want to do it, once, if we'd have gone up. But we didn't. And... We're stuck with him until at least we can't make the playoffs, I reckon. Okay, then. Well, over to you, David. Um, were you there? <laughs> <laughs> were you the leader of that? I, I said, uh, I said last week that my um, demonstration asked me. Um, I, I entirely support it. Um, as Thomas has said, you know, needs must when the devil craps in your frying pan. It's um, we can't do much elsewhere. We, we mean, when John Duncan, we had pitch invasions, um, all of those things. You can't do that now because you can't get near the pitch. And even if you're in the ground, you're not allowed to do that anymore. So, yeah, it, it's entirely fair enough. It's raised the profile. But you, you, if you can't get there anywhere else, you know, we've tried messaging the club. We tried emailing the club. The club ch- changes its email address. You try, um, I mean, the... You can have polls in the East Anglian. You can have the East Anglian calling for him to go. You can have um, the entirety of Twitter united, barring one. 
and radio stuff at, at half time going no 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 he's doing a great job and we 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 should be get get behind him um presumably that was his mum or something um, say, that's, that, he was from framlingham and never felt so ashamed to be from framlingham after that text <laughs> <laughs> i was like what on earth but um, sarcastic, sarcastic i think it wasn't yeah surely it wasn't you know <laughs> No, no, I, I think it was. I think it's like because they were criticising everybody for being negative. I was just like, what on earth? But um, no, I entirely support it. You've, you've got to do, you've got to do whatever you can to raise that profile because you need to make the people at the club very aware of that. And it's easy to dismiss. And I think it's slightly unfair when it's so unified. It's easy to dismiss people on Twitter and social media as just being, oh, they're the noisy minority. They're they're just young people or something. Um, well, the, the East Anglian, that they're just doing it because they want to create a, a story and it's it's the media and things. You know, like the Mail did, saying that we uh, the, the protesters had burnt the um, training ground to the ground and um, killed 17 rabbits and um, so on. But then what more do you expect from the Mail? But, yeah, I mean, yeah, fully, fully support it. And it didn't surprise me in any way, shape or form that the idiot then cited... That it would cause undue pressure in the poor, poor little waifs and strays he was being forced to play, having gone and salvaged them from an orphanage just for this game. Um, were were upset and in tears before the game because somebody had set a smoke bomb off three days earlier. It's um, it, this thing, you know. Besides the fact that it's blatant defect, not defection, dis deception or and deflection all the way through. One of the things that's really pissing me off, and I'm, I'm sorry, Ross, to go off on a tangent, um, but it is my thing. I like a tangent. Is this whole nonsense about pressure? The, the players we've got here, so, I mean, whether it's 32-year-old Sears, whether it's 35-year-old Ward, who's played for um, his country and probably some reasonably sized clubs along the way, or whether it's Downs or Dazelle who've played for England under-19s and that sort of thing, whether it's played in the championship, you know, against big clubs or bigger clubs than we've got at the moment, that they can't deal with the pressure of playing for a big club like Ipswich in an empty stadium at the arse end of League One against Northampton. I find that really, really difficult to cope with. Frankly... If you can't cope with the pressure of turning up to work to get paid five grand to kick a football around, then piss off out of the profession, go and do something different. I'm not very good at football. Um, the highlight of my footballing career is getting sent off twice in one game for Chantry sixth form. Um, that's on account of the fact that I went, got sent off for a horrendous tackle because I'm not very good. And then we were getting Kane 10-0 by Westbourne. And so my I was invited to go back on the pitch while the referee wasn't looking. And then I committed another similar tackle a little while later. So I got sent off twice in one game. However, I would still not feel that pressure to wilt in that thing. I would still be taking people down because I'm not very good. And I'd still be running around like Jonathan Douglas. They're professionals. I listened to, I mean, like, like Jackson said, you know, when he was going, yeah, I'm a professional. I want to play for the club. This is a whole load of nonsense in his tweet because he's been sent to training in 23s because 
he's offended um, Lambert by making him a dodgy cup of tea, like Danassian before him, like Bent before him, like Stephen Warnock before him. You know, Lambert just doesn't like it up him, does he? It's if he if Lambert sees Judge shaking his head behind him, he, Judge will be out in the cold somewhere. But there was a thing earlier this week, another club, and I, and I think it was um, to do with James Madison, who, sadly for somebody who used to play for Norwich, is a fantastic footballer. And what he was saying was, yeah, there's pressure on me to do this, that and the other, because I'm at a, I'm at a club that's doing well. People are talking about it in this way, but I'm not good enough. I need to score more. And so I've gone to the manager and said, what can I do? What can I do in training to improve my finishing? Where, what's my movement need to be to make this better? And he's somebody who you look at it on one thing. He's successful, isn't he? You know, he's got that big move. He's moved from Norwich. He's gone to Leicester. People are talking about it. He could sit back and go, yeah, Billy Big Bollocks here. But he's not. He's turning around saying, I can get better. That's how you deal with pressure. It's not by sitting there and going, oh, my God, there's an empty stadium and I'm playing Northampton. I can't deal with it because three days ago there was a flare set off outside my training ground and it's really upset me. You know, if that's if that's what genuinely happened, and I think that Lambert's talking bullshit, as always. But if that is the case, they're not professional footballers. That's what keeps them in League One and League Two. And they should they, they should be going off wandering in through into the under 23s for Barnsley or something. If it genuinely did upset them, I don't believe it did. Um, it's it's pure deflection, but the pressure thing has been something that has been repeated over and over and over and over again by Lambert for two or three years now. That these these players can't deal with it, and it's too much of a big step from Shrewsbury to Ipswich. Um, that's why Nolan was off form, and so on. It's nonsense. Edwards has not been off form when he's played in his right position. You know, if you play people in the right positions, you give them a run in the side and you believe in them rather than slagging them off and dropping them in, into them 23s because they made you the wrong cup of tea. Then they do deal with the pressure. You step up. If they can't, Lee Martin, perhaps. J. Manuel Thomas, talented player, but wandering, wandering around. He came from Arsenal and things. Then you drift away from the game. You end up for a third division Chinese team somewhere, but earning eight million pounds a second. Um. That, that's the thing. The pressure comes from within. And if you want to succeed in anything, whether it's in teaching, whether it's in gardening, whether it's in journalism or in football, you have to put that pressure on yourself to do better each day. And if it's gone really well, you look at it and you say, why did that go well so I can do it again next time? You don't think, well, I've had a good game, I'm sorted. You think, how have I done well in that? How can I do it again? How can I do it better next time? And if Lambert genuinely had high standards he would be putting that pressure on them. He wouldn't be saying, oh dear, there's some pressure. He'd be going, yeah, absolutely there's pressure because we're a big club in this division. We in Sunderland ought to be at the top of the table. If we're not at the top of the table, they are failing. I am failing. And if he said that, he set those expectations high. Yes, it raises the pressure, but the best players will rise to that. I think Chambers would rise to it. I think Judge would rise to it. I think Edwards would rise to it. I think actually Nolan would rise to it as well. Certainly think Downs would. You believe in him, I think Wolfenden would. They've got some core players in there who could be really good. It's Lambert's fault for putting the, for arsing around and doing the pressure the wrong way, in my opinion. So that's the biggest story to my mind, the way in which he's using it to deflect. 
than the actual protest itself. All right, well said. Segs, I've seen you had your hand up for the last few minutes while David's been doing what he normally does well. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, what have you got to add? Um, I was just thinking about something else that I forgot to mention. I mentioned it earlier in the pod, but I wanted to bring it up, or at least perhaps add it to the conversation a bit. Um, firstly, I think, uh, adding to David's point now, I just think um, it's too late now to add pressure to the to the squad. I think he's lost the dressing room in my eyes. <laughs> I mean, they're not playing for him. I can't see who is playing for him at the moment. I mean, there's ill-discipline as well. Um, I just think their heads are gone in terms of playing under Lambert. And unfortunately for us, we've got to sit through that until he's gone. Um, I can't see him turning it around now. I, I, I think it's just too far gone now. I don't see how he can manage to turn it around. But um, second, the point I was going to make was the fact that on talks the other day, he said what he said about the protest was he questions whether they were true fans cheer up such fans so that tells me in his head he thinks that all us us four sitting here and all other Ipswich Town fans we're all behind him backing him we're all supporting him still you know clapping him like we are after each after the Birmingham game when we went down and just in my head it's just it's just deluded um, and someone try and help me kind of process that because it might it just doesn't make sense what 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 is going on in that head of his apart from his hair being sore is is help you know what, what is happening I don't I don't get it. I mean, I've been Lambert. Well, I haven't been Lambert out for a year, let's say, but I've, you know, I've known he is a fraud for longer than that. You know, I worked out ages ago, as we've said on game day for ever so long ago, and David did as well. Um, but like, Darren, surely you want Lambert out, surely? Yeah, you know, are, are, you, are you fully behind him, like he thinks in his head? I, I, I wanted Lambert out after the relegation season because he did. To be fair play to him, and it's been said lots of times. He did a great job of reuniting the fans, getting behind the club. Um, attendances shot up. You know, we were all in it together. Like you said, we were clapping the players off the field after another loss. You know, me and my son went to all the away games. I was stood there in Stoke getting rained on because the, sh- the stand didn't cover the seats. So we were getting wet and clapping them off after a 2-0 loss. And, you know, and but on the field obviously nothing happened did it you know we i think did he win two games or something for from november onwards he won three you know, didn't he he won three three yeah something just pathetic so clearly he wasn't the right guy thank him very much for getting the fans back in the ground and that's bring someone else in um that looked like a like a silly idea when he forced to play 442 because of injuries we won eight and drew two of the first 10 that made me look a bit silly but um, but then obviously we know what happened, and then the same things happened again this season. So, I, I mean, I can't even believe he's still here. I can't believe it. I, I, I really can't. This is some any sort other club nightmare. Any other club? Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. It really, it really, really is. And what worries me is if you look at Marcus Evans's form for how he's got rid of our other managers, he hasn't been lining someone up, and they've come in like they do at Chelsea. You know, they've been sacked or they've like, you know, mixed walked off and then someone's been in interim charge for two, three weeks and then someone's been appointed. So the fact that, um, yeah, there's plenty of people in the club, you know, Clue, Dyer, Butcher, you know, there's loads of people in the club who could just take charge. So the fact that we're still no news, I'm sure all of us have been checking Twitter and those are the days website and everything like every hour just to, is he sacked? Is he sacked? But no. So, um, but yeah, get him out, get him out. 
I have faith that he'll get this one right. I mean, because um, if, if you look at his history, Keane and Jewel, useless. Mick was perfect for the time. And then obviously we know what happened there. But then Hurst and Lambert, they all, they come and freeze. So his this is the third, second, third choice. So, you know, they all come and freeze. It'll be the right the right appointment. But yeah, I mean, I going back to your point, I fell for the PR stunt, admittedly. I'm not afraid to admit that. I fell for it. You know, thought, oh yeah, this is the man for the job. But then went down to League One. As soon as that form started running down, I quickly turned and realised he wasn't the man. Um, you know, COVID, if we were at the games, I think, I think I'm not saying he'd be gone by now, but I do think this feeling that, you know, we're not all against him wouldn't be so wouldn't be so there because he'd know that we'd all be booing at the end of the game um or most of us would is yeah can you can you imagine what portman road would have been like on on tuesday, tuesday? Night, no. can you imagine most of it would have left by then i think yeah but i'd, I'd rather stay and boo <laughs> yeah 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 um <laughs> flares on a pitch and all that um but john you've heard what the guys have just said um a lot of different tangents going on there, uh, but love it always. Um, your take on the blue action protest and all the other segues that happened during that conversation, take it yeah. away. Lots of good chat there. And there's a lot of threads that join back up, aren't they? So while, while there are different points being made, it's a lot about Paul Lambert deflecting uh, um, attention away from just how poor he's doing as a manager. Um so, blue action for starters. Firstly, I understand why they did it. I've got no issue with them protesting. I personally don't like seeing flares be used because I know of uh, they can harm people. So I'm never going to promote violence. I'm a lover, not a fighter, and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, absolutely understand why they did it, and they did it to get attention for the plight of our club. So I, I applaud them for that. Um, I, I wonder if, you know, I saw somebody on Twitter say, why don't we get cars driving around Portman Road um, on a match day and just beeping horns? Um, so let them know that we protest. There's ways in COVID we can do things. And I think they did what they could do. I'm never going to, you know, I, I don't know the laws on whether flares are illegal and all that kind of stuff. I don't believe, like the Daily um, Fail said, that anybody burnt anything on purpose. There was a bit of signage burnt, wasn't there? They were just making a point. Um, so I applaud them for that. I would prefer it if there was 100 people round the ground, round the uh, trading camp, all two metres apart, all with masks on, so nobody could tell them that they were, you know, just jobs disobeying restrictions or whatever, and chanting, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know... The biggest point I want to make about Blue Action is how disrespectful Paul Lambert's now been to them because they're the guys, he said, when he was trying to win us over and everything, he sat down with the, some of the guys from Blue Action and he got them on side and wanted them to know um, what he was going to do for the club and wanted to listen to them and what was missing from the club, the disconnect he talked about. So some of the same people who have the, the Lambo... Um, um, banner, which you know, I thought was kind of cool for a little. You know, it looks a bit naff now that we all like kind of celebrated that. You know, but at the same time, they're the same people who tried to get get behind him. They're the same people who who did clap him off the pitch 
I did, clap the team off the pitch when we got relegated. I, I've said I'm almost embarrassed by that now. I hate the term happy clapper because, no, I just want, I wanted, you know, I had a tingle on my spine when we were all singing, we support the Ipswich if we're down or if we're up. You know, I believe that you stick. That's why we're on this podcast when we've just drawn at home to um, bloody Northampton because we care about our club. So don't go insulting us fans either about us not knowing anything about football. I tell you what, I reckon I've seen more football matches than Marcus Evans has. <laughs> I rest my case, my lad. You know, so if we're talking about knowledge of football, yes, Marcus Evans could teach me a lot about business. Absolutely. I wouldn't ever try to tell Marcus Evans how to be a, a successful businessman because he is. I'm not. Fair enough. But nobody's going to tell me that I don't have an opinion on a team I've watched since 1984, 85, whatever it was. You know, uh, I've seen some good players. I've also improved my knowledge. There was a times when just the... the the, the, the goal scorer or the, the captain were the people you liked, you know, when you're nine and ten, you, you follow the shiny, the, the people who were the, the, in your, your Pinini football sticker who uh, are the ones hard to get or whatever, you know, you all, you get sucked into that. But as you get older, you, you go, I've stood up on this pod and said, you know, I think Cole Scuse is underappreciated because he always does a lot of hard work off the ball and most players would choose to play him you know, you, you don't say you like Cole Scoops if you know now about football because, you know, he doesn't... If you're watching just for the glamour bits, you don't see what he does. But if you study the game and you say, oh, he broke the play up there, he brought somebody in, he followed that runner when somebody else was out of place, that's called a little bit of understanding. Now, I bow down to some of the guys who regularly appear on this pod about their knowledge. You know, when Brad's on, I always love the way he talks about uh, formations and how other teams play. But when I watch a match, I see who's effective and who's not. So I find it insulting when he treats, I've been saying for weeks, that he treats us like we're idiots when he's been doing his, we're really, really good sort of thing. We're excellent. No, you weren't. You were bang average and maybe two or three players have played okay. And at the moment, no players played well the other night. And that's on him. So blue action, applaud them. But that the whole the one positive I can think about Lambert's media deflection tactics. So when he was going, oh, I've, co- co- I've had COVID with um, Clem from um, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about it on um, Football Focus, I love the fact Warnock, um, who seems a decent kind of pro, decent ex-pro, just went, as a manager, no, not for me. That almost balanced out the whole PR about... Poor Ripsage Town, poor Paul Lambert, aren't the fans being a bit harsh on him because he's been ill? Yeah, we're all sympathetic to that, but we're talking about two and a half years at our club. We we all gave him the free ride for, for relegation. We gave him last season, and he's failing for his, if you like, his third season. I know this isn't a full season and his relegation was a full season, but he had enough time in each of those seasons to make an, a better job than he's doing now. Um, and then with the... Uh, Blue action, his deflection about, you know, the club saying that things were burned down and stuff and him talking about affecting youngsters. Don't use that as a bring people together. Listen, they're out to get us. Let's prove them wrong. Come on, give them, let's prove them wrong. Use that as your bloody team talk. You know, 
get people fired up. This club has got real passion. These people, you know, turn it into a positive. A good man manager would do that. He clearly isn't um, a good man manager. And that's why it was really good when there's deflection about um, blue actions, uh, actions um, when Darren Ben got involved. Because, again, he's managed to balance that back up by going, oh, there must be something really wrong at the club I'm passionate about for the people, real fans, um, to be feeling this way. Because, uh, and I think that helps balance things up a little bit. So I think it's backfired a little bit. But, you know, because Simon Jordan um, made some good points, I thought, as well on the talk sport. Um, But there's so many players. I mean, Trevor Sinclair... I've always liked Trevor Sinclair, but he obviously doesn't know enough about Ipswich to be passing comment. That's the problem when it's in national. That's why Mick did such a good job, because he managed to get his image out there that he was the best thing since sliced bread for Ipswich and care for what you wish for. We still get thrown back at us. You know, it, it, it really drives me up the wall on that. But I just think Lambert acted differently after the game on Tuesday to have seen. But then he obviously picked himself back up because he was on, I've seen the, the talk sport bit and I've seen the pre-record. And then the, was it BBC Radio 4 or was it 5 Live or something he was on? Or, um, I've died. Yeah. And he was fairly upbeat again and fairly full of shit again. Um, so um, I don't know where we're going. There's other clubs sack managers again this week, hasn't there? You know, Bristol. Is it both Bristol's have gone or something? Bristol City yeah. certainly. Um, <clears throat> and here we are watching this Lambert shit show, all sitting there going, um, "Where is this heading?" And I know we're going to talk about predictions, but well, maybe I'm helping segue the next bit, Ross. But you know, we've got Oxford and Sunderland coming up. Sorry, Oxford and Hull. Sorry, um, and uh, both of them are performing better than us. Both of them are having a better season than us, even though they've all had their ups and downs, for sure. We're not confident. Are we just going to sit for another three or four games and then be going, well, mathematically, this clause has been met or whatever. And there's loads of talk on Twitter and things that Marcus Evans is trying to sell a club. That's why he's gone quite Well, first things first, Evans is our owner. And until he sells... He owns the club. He can deflect pressure from him by acting and getting rid of Paul Lambert. Lambert tried to throw him under the bus about the... I protected um, Randy Lerner um, at Aston Villa. That's basically saying, I'm not going to protect you, Marcus. But actually, let's rewind a bit. Think about the... Was it the first game of last season when we were all going into it quite positive and then he suddenly gave a really negative... um, Friday press conference about what he didn't know if he was going to be there and all that kind of thing. And ultimately, that got him, after the good run, his five-year deal, didn't he? So he needs to be careful because, actually, he's been given five-year contract by this man and he's basically then criticising this man. Now, I can have my criticisms of him, but I'm not employed by him. I'm not the kind of person who's going to call him this and that. I'm just saying I don't think he's doing a good enough job but Lambert has to be careful because he's now almost threatening him. And that's that's a dangerous thing to be playing. If I was Marcus Evans as a businessman, I would be going, Lambert, in my office or get on that Skype call or whatever, do not 
do that because I'm sure there's a something in the contract about there must be about protection of club rights and protection of club um, as a whole. You know the kind of legal stuff about um, keeping people not slating your manager and that, or your owner and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know where do we go from here. It's it's a really bleak picture. <laughs> it's hard to be positive, isn't it? Darren, I saw you wanted to say something when John was chatting, so go ahead. Um, well, there was lots of things. Firstly, John, I think you should do the team talk. I think you should be, we need to find a way of getting you in the team, in the changing room and say all that stuff. Show it. Show us all what you can do. Get out there and do it. It's, it, he's clearly, he's not a good man manager and he's clearly not a technical genius either because the way that we're trying to play I've never understood it. I don't like one up front. I never have. And uh, yeah, it would be fine if we're if we're away at Old Trafford. Fine. That's that's sit there and banks of you know four and five and that's defend. But every team, with the exception of probably Sunderland, Hull, whatever, they're just going to sit back and defend against us. So we've got one guy up front. There's no options. Dizel. I, I saw a load of people being really critical on the, those of the days forum this week about Dizel and he's lightweight and ineffective. Dizel's the, the, the most gifted player we've got at the club from a technical point of view. I, I think he, he, he's just beautiful the way he plays the ball. He controls and he glides and passes and he's just great, but he's not a defensive midfielder where, as you, as you said, John, we've really missed Cole Skews this season because he he did all the all the ugly stuff, covering when fullbacks are out of position, and you know he and Dazelle couldn't ever do that. But well, that's not what he's doing. But um, I've gone off on a tangent now. That's that's, that's now catching. Um, <laughs> what we guess? <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, no, John. We need to find a way of getting you in to do the team talk. Rather, lads, up. Let's get them out there. Get them out there. But it doesn't take a genius to actually just no. come on and show some heart, play for the yeah. club. I mean, I'm sure that's the kind of thing that Chambers wants to do. And I'm sure if he develops as a coach and stuff, you wouldn't mind having a character like Chambers. You know, he clearly cares about the club. And I know loads of people are slating Chambers, all that kind of stuff. Um, but at least he, he shows passion for the shirt. And on Tuesday night, who showed passion for the shirt? And that's what hurts me, because as a fan, I still have that, even though it hurts like hell at the moment. Like, I want to go and come on, show more, win the first ball, have some pride, close your man down, stay on your feet, have some discipline. You know, it's not genius, is it? It's not rocket science. It's late one football. There was one thing that I don't think, I haven't seen anyone get uh, pick up actually that Lambert after the game someone asked him about Downs's sending off and he basically praised him for I love to see that about the fight That's he's got the devilment in him I don't want to take that you know that sort of along those lines whereas um, obviously there's some underlying issue with him and Jackson because Jackson terrible foul sent off but there was no defending him, and he's and he's slung it out. Whereas Downs gets sent off, we're going to miss him now for two big games away to you know home to Hull, away to Hull. Can't remember which one now. And we haven't got Downs, our best player, the person who's captain, and he's captain. But it, you know, I'm not saying it was. I'm not saying you should have slated Downs, but it's just a you know 
if you take the two, they were both silly, silly sending offs. To be sent off for swearing at the refs, you know, that's if you did that on a park on a Saturday or Sunday morning football, you, you just. David? Yeah, <laughs> you get balled at by all your teammates for being stupid, you know. So, um, yeah, not that I'm saying anything negative about Flynn Downs. I love him. He's brilliant. To be fair, Flynn yeah. Downs could have been sent off against Peterborough. I thought yeah, he definitely. made some challenges in that game yeah. that were more reckless. And there's one I can't right on the halfway line, if I remember correctly, where yeah. he was quite. Lucky to stay on the pitch, I thought. So this Oscar is... was absolutely convinced he should have gone for that because yeah. we, we had a debate about the whole tackling thing, Oscar and I. Saw um, Segs um, having his hand up. Um, so what you've got to say, and let's segue into the next um, yeah. section after that. But um, Segs, take it away. Yeah, the thing is, I was going to say, is that the team talk and that what John said about you know, proving wrong and stuff like that. The trouble is, it's, it's too far gone now to. For the, to tell the players that if, if he is if his man management is poor, which we all know it is, then it's too far gone now for him to, to try and tell the players to prove the fans wrong to put bring us back on side. And we all know how this how the, these two past seasons have gone. It started off well and it's all declined since then. But in terms of the team talk and that is, I get what you're trying to say, but I just think it's it's not going to work. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I totally, I totally get that. But I'm just talking from yeah, a personal yeah. point yeah. of view. I'm not saying Lambert could necessarily do that, but the if I asked my mate to do something for me, he would know whether I actually meant it or not because I wouldn't ask unless I really meant it. And if no, I yeah. did it in a real, you know, at work, if I say, "Come on, we really need to do something," people know I only say it when we need to do it. You know, so. I think that's probably a lack a skill he lacks, um, which is quite disappointing, really. Because you know, if he, if he's not a tactical genius, as we, we've clearly worked out, um, and you know he's not a man manager, then what is he? Oh, yeah, he's a, a bad manager. That's what he is. He's a fraud. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> if you put it in the analogy of of a parent, I don't know how many of you on this pod of uh, parents. No. Yes, so. <laughs> We've all had kind of like a bad Saturday afternoon, right? So you things escalate and everything your kids do, everything you ask them to do when they're like toddlers, they just don't do it. They scream, they whinge. And then you end up hearing yourself say things like, if you don't put that back, there'll be none of this and you won't do this and we're not going to go to the cinema and all this sort of stuff and that's where that's what Lambert's doing <laughs> he's he's lost it he's lost his head he's cutting his nose off despite his face he's putting on one of our best strikers in the under 23s he's playing it clear he must know that the fans don't like the style of play because he said we won't do what he say at the start of the season you know we've had time to reflect and we won't leave our philosophy you know we we won't leave that ever again you know we're going to stick to what we do it's not working, Paul. You know, it's not working. So stick two men up front and that's that's attack people. Jesus. The funny thing about that, though, the reason he didn't stick to his philosophies the previous year is because of Caden Jackson's form, isn't it? In pre-season. Yeah. And now he's fallen out because he's not playing the 4-4-2. He's not happy about Jackson playing anywhere else. He tried him poorly on the wing which we all knew we wanted to see, but we knew it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Um, Jackson let himself down with that terrible challenge. Yeah. But like, 
he, the way he's treated Jackson, presumably because of that challenge, is very different from the way he's treated Dazelle from being sent off, Toto yeah. from being sent off, and Downs from being sent off. So again, that's poor man management. Now Jackson's in the stand. At the beginning of the season, Nolo was um, one of Lambert's go-to people, wasn't he? And so whatever's gone on there, um, the main pod was really interesting, giving a little bit of extra information on that. But whatever's gone on with Nolan and um, Jackson, if you don't want to play Jackson, why don't you say to Evans in the summer, let's cash in on him, can I have some of the money to spend elsewhere? What good is he doing in the stands now? You know, why are we paying loan players when we've got people like Jackson and Nolan who could be on loan somewhere else to balance the books or be in their own team? And like David said, what feels like probably a, a year ago, it was only at the beginning of the pod, um, that why bring in some of the loanees? You know, because actually on Tuesday's performance, where the hell were they? I mean, Parrot was not very good. Um, well, all fans say he's not very good. Millwall fans are really not impressed with him. I think he's got a bad attitude, he's lazy, and he, he's not hes not all he's cracked up to be. Well, yeah. but nobody in that team stood up the other night, maybe judging Norwood with the exceptions for the last 20 minutes. But, you know, two players for 20 minutes in a, in a squad game for 90-odd isn't good enough, is it? Even even Matheson, who impressed against Blackpool, looked looked a great player. You could see why he brought him in. He didn't have a great game ever night either. And that's for me. That's because he was dropped for Chambers and for Chambers and cannot for Ward against Peterborough when they didn't need to be dropped. You know, it's, you you could see why. Yeah. The, on on Tuesday, there wasn't there wasn't much about the team either, was there? In terms of verbals, there wasn't any leaders. You know, we've got a really young back four at the minute. You know, and I saw um, McGuinnesses can be quite vocal, can't he? I don't know if you've uh, certainly at Peterborough, there was a break in play and he was out, you know, pointing fingers and doing all that stuff, which is great. That's exactly what you want to see from a centre half. Wolfie seems to be quiet, you know, in all things. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I'm in a, it, our loan signings are now showing the. The, the result of being coached by Lambert, they're getting worse and well, worse. It's not just know? Lambert though, is it? It's, it's the Ipswich way. Look at Grant Ward. <laughs> Grant Ward, yeah. Yeah, well, that was a, an immediate an immediate decline. But um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's just sad, as Elton John said. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've just been sitting here relaxing, just listening to all that. Um, a lot of depressing stuff, unfortunately, but yeah, unfortunately, that's what we've all got to say about. Um, let's get into the fixtures coming up uh, Tuesday, Saturday, and all that jazz. Um, Saturday, we are host Oxford United, who, when we faced them in December, they were in the, or well, they were 20th, um, and we were, well, in the playoffs. Uh, now, Oxford are above us. So, well, it's not been great, has it? Um, Darren, uh, how are you feeling going into this game against Oxford and also the Hull City game as well? Uh, of course, Hull City ripped us a new one when they came to Portland Road, so that was uh, not a good viewing either. But um, how are you feeling going into this game? I'm sure the same as you normally are going into the current games. Yeah, well, clearly, yeah, not very optimistic, really. And um, have this kind of bitter taste in my mouth of wanting us to get spanked because that might get Lambert out. But obviously 
I don't want Ipswich to lose, but it's, um, I don't know, you know, it's Oxford itself. I'm just looking at their kind of list here of, of games and there's a lot of goals going on, both for and against. So did Burton put five past them a few weeks ago by the looks of things? So, you know, there should be goals in this game by the looks of it. Oh, so I think, I think they beat Burton 5-1. Oh, that, no, they won 5-1. Oh, crikeys. Oh, right. Okay. So the the results that way around. Okay. Yeah. Well, they Rochdale 4-3. Fleetwood 1-0. Lost to Doncaster, but 3-2. Doncaster are a good team. And well, then they beat... Ball well for us, does it, in a few Yeah, they're on a, they're on a run. They're smashing the ball in. They're probably playing 4-4-2. They've probably got a big man, fast man up front like we could, but we won't. Um so, I mean, form would tell you we're going to lose. Um, your head would tell you it's going to be an awful game. It's going to be a lot of. I haven't, to be fair, I can't. I haven't seen Oxford play, so I, I don't know really what their tactics are. Do they sit in counter attack, long ball? I've got no idea. But I can tell you that every team must know how to play against us now. Just sit in watch us pass the ball around between McGuinness, Wolfie and the right back and left back, back to Dizelle who pass it back again. Just, you know, just sit in, just be patient and then, then counter attack. And, um, we'll probably waste eight corners and, um, okay, <laughs> not make anything of that. We'll probably hit the wall a couple of times from out, from free kicks outside the box. Um, the, the thing, the thing that enters your head is, what if they play brilliant and we win 4-0? What what happens then? How do we how how do we feel after a 4-5-0 win? Do we still do we think do we feel pleased or we do we feel like bugger? <laughs> we didn't <laughs> we didn't want him Lambert because it's now as far as I'm concerned it's now personal it's it's now kind of the fans against Lambert it's not about the club I don't think not from my point of view anyway it's 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 about Lambert and we just need to get rid of him so we we as a club can can move on there of course the owner isn't perfect um but the reason where we are where we are and we play the way we play and we're not scoring because the way we are is because of Lambert it's not because of the owner so that would be a question for everyone. How would you feel? 4-0 win this weekend. How do you feel? I said this after the Blackpool game. I'll repeat kind of what I said. Um, I'm happy with a win. Love a win. Always want to win. You know, you support the club. It's, it's our team at the end of the day. You know, blue heart. It's, you know, I'll always applaud a win. I'd love a win. Um, doesn't matter how we win. Obviously, you want, a, you want, you know, the you want a good win normally. You want to, always fresh a team like 4-0 like you're saying you know it's a brilliant win you love it but that's not going to change my opinion on Lambert it's like I've been saying it's too far gone now um he's he's got to go we all know he's got to go it's it is going to hinder the fact that he's going to stay longer you know he'll be if we do win 4-0 he'll be here longer than what we what we want but it's so be it um you know we, we do want the team to do well and I would love him to turn it around and still finish in the playoffs you know we we're not going to win the playoffs because we can't beat a top 16. Um, but mind you, if you beat Oxford 4-0, then you can argue that we've actually broken that record for once. Um, so you know, there's, there's that as well. You know, We can finally say, yes, we've beat a top 18. We're, we're finally on the up. But 
Yeah. Um, my, my, the way I look at it is, is, you know, I want the team to win, but it's not going to change anything that I feel about Lambert, not at all. Um, that's exactly how I felt after that Blackpool 2 win. Um, you know, even after then, he brought in his five loans, four loans, sorry. It looked like we're actually changing things, but then we go to Peterborough, he takes them out. It's, you, you know that if even if we do win 4-0, we go to Hull, who smashed Wigan 5-0 this week. It's not going to change anything. He'll probably change the tactics and put Chambers and Ward back in and we'll go and lose 3-0 or something. So, yeah, happy for a win, but I just I don't want him. I, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change my feelings towards him. Okay, then. Well, um, I'm going to go over to John, because he did have his hand up during, um, of course, Darren's question, and just in general. Um, so, over to you then, John. We'll leave David to to preview the games last then. Uh, so, John, um, take it away. Um, Hull City, of course, is your dad's team. <laughs> um, so, we, we're heading to the KCOM. Is it KCOM Stadium? It is, yeah. yeah. KCOM. So, uh, how, how are you going? How are you feeling? <laughs> Well, I've got to say, when I raised my hand when Darren was talking, it was just because I was thinking about Oxford. And I just flicked back through early on their results um, through December, January and February so far. And I think um, they've only lost once. And they've drawn once, I think, and they've won every other game. The draw, uh, I've forgotten who that was against, but the loss was against Doncaster. So... The team who have won pretty much every single game, the only team who have beaten them, uh, I'll say they drew with Hull as well. So the team they drew with and the team that got beat by, um, we played them in the games afterwards as well. So um, that, it doesn't fill you with confidence, really, that if we play like we did against Northampton, a team like Oxford, who was scoring lots of goals, are gonna, they're going to take the chances because uh, they're going to win. They so, beat, they beat Northampton 4-0 last December as well. Okay, there you so, go. So we drew, we drew nil nil with yeah. Northampton. They managed to put four past them. Yeah, that's and, something. And there's not always the same logic in sport, and that's why we all love it. But what evidence have we got going into that game that we're going to suddenly be miles better against a better side, a side who have got momentum, um, who have got uh, goals in them? And, yeah, they do concede, but they look like they're scoring for fun at the moment. So, I can't see... You've got to hope for a draw at best, really. And that's so sad, going into a game against Oxford, saying a draw at best. But, you know, I can't see us getting anything. I just can't. And as for going to Hull, my dad, is a, as, as I've said many a time, is a big Hull City um, fan, has been for years. He lives just down the road um, from me, um, 10 minutes from Hull. And he he uh, he thinks they're playing really badly at the moment. And I've been saying to people all season that he thinks Hull are uh, not very good. Um, and I said, Dad, you haven't seen anything about not being very good until you've seen us play this season. And he said, you can't be that bad. And, um, he, the other night when they scored five, I was saying, if you're going to score five, against Wigan away from home, what are you going to do to us at your place? And he said, oh, we won't, we won't. I said, seriously, if we play like we've been playing for the last best part of the half a season, we've got no chance. So I guess what I'm saying is reluctantly, I'm going to think we'd come out with no points from the next two games. And that is so depressing to say that. Clearly, I hope I'm wrong. Clearly, I hope that 
somebody in that change room get some passion and people stand up and be counted and make a difference. But the evidence in front of us says we'll be lucky to scrape a point in those two games. I honestly can't see us scoring at Hull. At Hull and Hull can score. Oxford can score. And we got a leaky defence at the moment. Doesn't doesn't bode well. If we're looking for actual predictions, I'm going to go two one Oxford on Saturday or one two Oxford on Saturday, and I'm going to go for a four nil on Tuesday at the KCOM. Ah, oh, joy, um, David. Over to you then uh, to finish up the preview and the podcast as a whole. Um, two very tough games ahead. Um, well. Probably tough games the rest of the season, pretty much, <laughs> the way we're going. Uh, well, there's, so. tw- there's 23 teams that are better organised than us, aren't there? Yeah. Um, yeah. And Oxford are on a decent run. When we played them in, earlier on and got that nil-nil, which was a, another dour game, I seem to recall. But they were right down the foot of the table at the time, and they were having that classic post-playoff hangover, weren't they? Um. But they're, they're a bit on fire at the moment. Um, and they're one of the teams who a few weeks ago, we were looking behind and going, you know, they can catch us up. And now they're head and shoulders above us and head, heading that way. We're not going anywhere. So Oxford are going to cane us. I think Norwood will play at some point, whether he starts or comes on. I think Norwood will score. Um, just to remind all of us that he is actually the best finisher at the club. And if you played him to his strengths consistently week in, week out, then he'd score goals. And I don't see how he's supposed to get fit if he's not playing. And if he's not fit, then he shouldn't be on the pitch at any point. If you you know put him in the under-23s, get fit. So I think that's going to be a 3-1 defeat. Um, Hull. Hull really didn't impress me when they beat us earlier in the season. Um, we were absolutely fucking shockingly crap. Um, I think that's one of the worst performances I've seen of it. I mean, the Northampton game was terrible, but I think actually the Hull game was one of the worst performances I've seen us given in a long time. Um, I think that Hull are just an average side who are very, very well organised. They work hard. I don't think there's any standout players in there. I don't think they've got anybody who's going to sort of be attracting interest from a championship side. I don't think that if they make the playoffs and they lose it, they're going to suddenly lose the spine of their team because lower championship sides are going to do them. They've just got organisation and they work hard. Was it Honeyman? Is he? Yeah, he, he worked so hard and he covered so much grass and we don't have that. We don't have anybody who works that hard. There was another he was one of the most for them. Yeah, they, they had excellent. Yes, they had two players who really caught the eye, but not from the flamboyance or just individual ability, just their ability to work hard, be in the right place, make those last ditch tackles, and say, "You're not coming past us. We 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 want this." And I don't think we've got anybody who, with the possible exception of Chambers, who really wants this ever. We just sort of go, all right, well, that's gone. Um, so I think Hull are going to beat us 3-0. I think it's going to be comfortable. Um, and I can't see, to be honest, I mean, I, I predicted that we'd get a draw. We'd beat Northampton. And after that, not much. And I can't see us getting anything out of Doncaster later. It's going to be a barren month. 
Um, oh, oh, God. <laughs> if I'm being optimistic, um, I can see us scoring two goals the rest of the month while we can only concede sort of seven or eight. Um, so if you want some optimism, I think we'll get two goals this month. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, a bit, a bit of um, before we go to Seg, a bit of um, a peep behind the curtains. During David's chat, I was going on and off the mic and uh, the camera because I was eating my dinner. Um, so there we go. Because I forgot to. And I went on something. so long. Yeah, it's a three-course meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And now on to my dessert, as uh, Seg said, chat. So I'm going to go and eat my dessert now. So it'll take, it, it, take it, you, you've ordered it. It's been delivered. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, but um, there we go. I need, to, I need to get my energy up. But yeah, Seg, take it away. Just one quick question to end the pod, because it doesn't really, I don't really understand it. But why why is Freddie starting on that left side over Edwards? Is Edwards not fit? Because yeah, Edwards no, had a good not start. Fit, is he? Not yeah. quite fit, no. I, I, think, I think a load of players were rested. What, on Tuesday? Yeah, I think that's why Norwood... You know, all of those players, I think he, he thought he'd get a result against Northampton and then there'd be other players who were fresh. The trouble is, we're, we're going back to last season now with the rotation policy. We know it doesn't work, but it's, yeah. it's something that he said five, six years ago that, or that he said he never, would never do it again. He did it last season. He's going back to it again now. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Rubbish. David, John, both got their hands up. I'm I'll start with David. Sorry. You can go, oh, okay. go and get your dessert, Ross. <laughs> yeah, take away David and John. For the um, he he was doing apparently the same team on Tuesday was what he'd selected for oh. Saturday, right. um, so he just didn't change anything. So this was the side that he was going to play on Saturday. And he didn't think, oh, well, actually, we've had extra time to recover from any injuries. I'll, I'll make some amendments to put somebody else in. He just sort of went, I've already written that. I can't be asked for writing another team sheet out. <laughs> um, that's far too much effort. My hair hurts. So um, <laughs> apparently that's what I think. It, I can't remember whether it was Mark Heath or, or Stuart said that. But it was, it was apparently just the, the same side he was going to play. I mean, of course, there was another piece of deflection about the whole um, nonsense of number of games and players of and this. They, they didn't play on Saturday. They had ten days between or a week before, between games. There's another load of bollocks. Later in the season, because he's pointlessly sort of, there'll be another fixture congestion because you've got the same number. It doesn't matter where you play the games. You've got the same number of games. If <laughs> you just nudge them forward, you've still got a load of games later. Yeah. That's just that's just common sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just going to throw into that. Amir Hughes has just dip- disappeared off the face of the earth, hasn't he? I mean, we all said he probably needed to, um, but was he on the bench on uh, Tuesday? I don't think he was. Was he? Yeah. So we were probably injured, about- <laughs> probably. But actually, he's probably. But the thing is, a couple of weeks, uh, so about six weeks ago. Um, I think it was was Nolan went off injured um, right early on, and he'd been absolutely appalling for the first sort of ten minutes before he got injured. And I think it was that game where Hughes was on the bench, 
And rather than bring on Hughes, he brought on Lancaster in the centre of midfield. Now, if you've got an experienced Welsh international, all of that sort of thing, sitting on the bench, your midfielder gets injured and you're going to a wide midfield, a wide forward to put on in the centre of midfield, then that suggests you don't have faith in that midfielder. So I, I think that Hughes' time with Lambert is done. Um, I don't think you'll see him again unless we have a major injury crisis, quite frankly. I'll jump in then. Um, I was just going to say that the Hughes is one of the sad notes of our sad season because I don't think there's an Ipswich fan who didn't hope he was going to be central to everything that we did, certainly when he was signed a few years ago. But then once he regained fitness, we all kind of thought, we're going to have one of the best players in League One. And it just hasn't happened, has it? I still think that the potential is there for it. Yeah, My, I hope so. And, and, and this, this is the same thing with Nolan. Because when we signed Nolan, everyone was excited by Nolan. Uh, because he was the attacking midfielder. He was going to be Tom, uh, um, sort of um, Miller all over again, wasn't he? You know, breaking into the box and all of those things. Because that's what he did at um, Shrewsbury. So, ultimately... That's what we thought. He was going to be that sort of box-to-box who broke in and scored goals with late runs into the box. And he was doing that at the start of this season, wasn't he? I mean, he's, what, what five goals for us with, largely speaking, yep. late runs into the box? He was doing it at the end of our relegation season. Yeah. Now, the problem, again, and this is Thomas's point about the rotation, how often has Hughes played consistent game after game? How often has Nolan been given a run in the side in one position? Judge doesn't get to play in one position. He's out wide right. He's out wide left. He's on the bench. He's in his preferred role. He plays well. He's out on the bench. He's wide right. He's wide left. Edwards plays wide left, does really well, scores goals. So he's wide right. Now he's on the bench. Now he's injured. Now he's back in wide left. You know, all the time. You're putting people into the wrong position and you're giving them one or two games. He says Lancaster, this is why presumably we've got Thomas, why we've got Bennett to fail from a different club. <laughs> Lancaster, he says, well, you know, people say yeah, he hasn't done it this season. How many games has Lancaster played wide right, which is he's an inside forward wide right? How often has he played inside forward wide right game after game, giving three, four games in a row? Most of the games he's played have been off the bench and he's come on in the centre of midfield in places. That's not yeah, his position. Can't do it there. No, no. How can you expect a wide right midfielder to come off the bench and play in the centre of midfield and excel? You can't. Uh, uh, isn't that where he plays, though, as a youth footballer? Doesn't he, isn't he a central player in sort of the in youth football, Lancaster? But obviously, being youngster, he, he got played out wide right. Holy was a striker when he was 16. Was he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So it's not a bad shout. It's not a bad shout. Get him in there. <laughs> I mean, don't tell Lang- don't tell um, uh, Lambert. But yeah, uh, Holy gave an interview saying he'd play anywhere. He doesn't mind, you know. And when he was sixteen, he was he was a striker. He got moved back into goal because of something, you know. One of those. Oh, who's going to play in goal today? You're a big lad. You do it. And he yeah. became became a goalkeeper. But he he started off as, as a as a forward. Oh. Um, Mitch DeVray, back in the day, he, he was a striker. He ended up being a much better centre-half than he ever was as a striker. So you move around, but that doesn't make, doesn't make you, because you used to play in a position, that doesn't make you good in that position. It means that you, a lot of players, when they're young, they play in lots of positions, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I started out as a centre-half and ended up as sub 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that so many of our players, I mean, this, uh, I, I don't rate him because I think that he's a poor man's bramble in the fact that he's always got a mistake in him. But Enciala's not served well by being in and out of the side. I don't think that Nolan we've ever seen the best of because he's never played. I mean, sometimes he's in a number 10, he's, which isn't his role. He's not that sort of player. Sometimes he's a, played as a, you know, the base of midfield, and that's not his role either. It, we just move people around on an ad hoc basis, never give anybody a chance to build up any partnerships, never give anybody a build, chance to build up ahead of steam, ahead of form. You know, Hughes comes in when somebody's injured, suspended, and he should have been in there for two, three games to, to hold that, but play people in their right position. And I don't think I don't think it's fair on the player, and I don't think it's um, helpful to where we are. I think that's the core of where we are. But I equally think that Lambert's actually damaging people's careers, not just by refusing to let them move on when he won't play them. I mean, Danassian, poor lad, refuses to let him move, but equally won't play him. I mean, that's that's just I, I, uh, words fail me. I'm just going to make a quick, make a quick point about no, 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 not another question. No, no, not another question. No, sorry, Ross. No, I was going to say Could I Nolan. just say? <laughs> but it, I can completely understand why he wanted to leave, and it's, I feel sorry for him for the fact that he's been banished from the from the full team squad to Manchester United. Because the way I see it, the end of that championship relegation season, he was having good games. I know John rates him because of that, but he was he was having good games after the end of that season, and then unluckily for him. He got injured during pre-season. And then when he comes back, he's just been rotated in and out, in and out. He couldn't get a place in the side. I mean, even he said, I can't remember who he said it to now, but he said it last season that he didn't rate, he didn't like the rotation. And we didn't see him much at all last season, really, because of that. And he's a confidence player. And then he comes into the, season, comes into the squad this season, has a few good games, and then he gets injured, unfortunately. And now he's just rotating in and out of the squad again. I, in, in random places? This is, this yeah, is the, I know, yeah. yeah. I it's, have no... I don't blame him for wanting to try and find Pastor's new. I really don't. If, if that's what he wanted in January, then fair enough. And I don't see why he's being banished for it when it's not his fault for not being consistent anyway, in my eyes. He would be a good player for us if he had a good string of running the games consistently in that midfield, in my yeah. opinion. And I think yeah, it, I mean, if, it, you, if you played a 4 4 2 with Dizel and um, Nolan next to each other, with Edwards, Lancaster wide, Norwood and Jackson in there. You've got a really good basis there, haven't you? Yeah, I agree. Miguel, I'll stop now. I, yeah, I think <laughs> I think I'll take that back now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think David, you, you you and John are in the changing room on Saturday. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> David with the tactics. John with the come on, a win, five nil win. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it was on Twitter. There, there was um, somebody said they were appointing me as manager, and I said, right, well, I'll, I'll take I'll take a um, a fifth of his salary, rolling contract, none of this five year nonsense. Because if I'm not doing my job, I shouldn't be there. Four four two, attacking direct football, get the ball forward quickly. Um, we're going to score one more than you. Return to big, you know, sort of Joe Royal, um, and appoint a proper defensive coach as well. Consistent selection. If you're in the side, you play well. You stay in it. I, I hear. It's, it's I hear not, we've. Not hard. I hear, yeah, I hear we've got some 
England legend in the in the club somewhere that might better help the first team if he ever gets asked. Does Terry Butcher work with the first team or just nope. the under twenty threes? Just the under twenty threes. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, that. I, I promised my wife wasn't going to swear, but come on, <laughs> Terry it's Butcher, a... Terry Butcher. Oh my word! Oh it's, my it's not as if we've had a defensive sort of problem for years or anything. Oh no! Oh, no. It's a sign. It's a sign. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, listen, you can't see this, but Johnny's broken his cup. Um, and I think that's the perfect way to finish the podcast. Um, it's definitely up there. This podcast is one of the best ones we've done. I um, hope you all have enjoyed listening. Uh, thank you, Darren, for making your debut. John, Sex, David, for joining me as ever. Um, yeah, how are we? Just, uh, this week has been mad. I'm sure next week's going to be also mad. Uh, with definitely Saturday, Tuesday going on and all that. Um, I've been producer Ross. So thank you all for listening. As always, make sure to leave us a review. Let us know what you think of Game Day Extra Time. Um, I know you guys love the main pod. But it's also good to hear your thoughts on this pod. And if you want to get involved, get involved, get your voice heard, contact me at Ross Media UK on Twitter and we'll get you involved. But there we go, the end of the show, a mammoth show, but a good one as always. So that guys. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Thank you.